listening to audio from Grove Park Baptist Church. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.groveparkchurch.net. This week, Better Homes and Gardens magazine published an article entitled, Nine Reasons Why It's Never Too Early for Christmas Decorations. I realize that you all must think we have lost our ever-loving mind to come in here on a day where I can't see that far back, but it looks like it's about 78 degrees in here and probably is approaching 90 out there, that we're singing Christmas carols. We had planned to have a tree up today. I didn't understand all of our moving situation, though, with that. The first reason Better Homes and Gardens says that we should uh, put our decorations up early is that people often associate Christmas decorations with feelings of nostalgia and excitement for childhood. Now... Didn't you all feel just a little bit warm and cozy when we were singing those Christmas carols earlier? Didn't you? Didn't didn't your spirit lift a little more? I'm not into the commercialization of Christmas. I I don't. I personally think they put Christmas stuff out way too early. I mean, it'll be out Labor Day. But didn't just that one moment where we're singing. Gloria, didn't that make you all feel just a little bit better? Hey, also, the article says this. It said, people shown photos of houses rated the residents of a home adorned with Christmas decorations as more friendly and sociable versus houses sans decor. The decorated houses were seen as more open or accessible regardless of whether their inhabitants actually interacted much with their neighbors. In other words, people put up their Christmas decorations and their neighbors thought that they were cool people. Welcoming, inviting. Unless, of course, they happen to live next to Clark Griswold. You all remember Clark Griswold, right? You remember how his house was decorated for Christmas? Everything that wasn't moving had a light on it, and some things that were moving had lights on them. See? It's all about exterior illumination. Christmas makes us feel good. It seems clear why so many people put out the decorations early. The whole world seems more joyous, warm, and inviting at Christmas. And so we rush to get that Christmas high. Is it any wonder then why January is so depressing? Why January seems so dull and bleak. We've put everything back in the box. We've climbed up the stairs to the attic. Everything is put in its place. 
And everything left behind looks so very drab. You know, come to think of it, this Christmas high and January low phenomenon sounds a lot like the Christian walk. We have these moments where we're riding high. Maybe it's while we're on a retreat. Maybe it's when we have just come back from a mission. Who knows what the reason. Maybe it's a a recently answered prayer. And we are riding high. And then all of a sudden, we return to the real world. And we're back down low again. We feel that God is distant and that the whole world is conspiring against us to pull us back down from this exalted spiritual high that we have been upon. The psalmist understands this today. Notice with me verses 1 and 2. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The children of Israel had returned from 70 years in captivity in Babylon, far from home, far from everything that they knew and understood. And they had been brought back from the captivity as God had promised. And it was like Sugar plums dancing in their heads, you know. They were all so very happy. They were back home, back to what they knew, back to what they loved. Their joy was so great that people were talking about them. Did you notice that? The Lord has done great things for them, they said, amongst the nations. What an infectious joy. Wouldn't the world need that joy, don't you think, today? Can you imagine if you and I were that joyful all the time? But unfortunately, we're not, are we? Unfortunately, we come upon verse 3. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Did you notice that transition? They went from joy to, eh, we're glad. It's sort of like the difference between uh, coming home and saying, watch for dinner and being told steak. And coming home and ask, watch for dinner and being told liver. You're glad you're going to have something to eat, but eh. Right? Right? Gladness does not equate to joy, beloved. Joy is a restorative to the soul. Gladness is just... The task of rebuilding Israel had maybe gotten a little harder by then. The joy of coming back home had been replaced by the hard work that they had to do to restore everything and to to build back the walls and to build back the temple. And they were just not as excited as they used to be because the hard work that was facing them. We, We see that in the prophet Haggai. 
Haggai has sent from God to tell them that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house, the house of Solomon. He's, why? Because they're not really to the work. They're not working that hard because they're afraid that it's not going to be as great and glorious and so their joy has ebbed away. How about you today? Has your joy ebbed away? Has your joy ebbed away as you're faced with some new task to do that's a little harder than you thought it would be? Has your joy ebbed away because you're now facing, because you've worked through some process of sanctification, some new sin, some new issue that you have to deal with, and it's not nearly as fun as you thought it would be, and so your joy has ebbed away, and you're glad to be here this morning, but there is no joy of salvation it's just replaced with gladness there's a difference between glad and joyous beloved do not be discouraged this morning there is hope look with me at verse number 4 restore our fortunes O Lord like streams in the Negev Restore our fortunes. To get from gladness back to joy, this must be our prayer. Restore us, O Lord. This word restore here is in the imperative. It's a pleading. It's almost like he's yelling out to God, Come on, Lord, restore what we had. They want to seek it. They're searching after it. They need it. Are you just content with glad this morning, Grove Park? Or do you want joy? Do you want that joy that is infectious and everybody around wants it so that it looks and seems like Christmas every single day? There's a difference. Joy can rush in. You say, I don't know how this works. Notice he says like streams in the Negev. Remember back to Psalm 124 from a couple of weeks ago where we talked about there's these dry riverbeds and all it took was a good rain and whoosh, it's become a river. Can you imagine if you prayed this morning and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you said, God, restore my joy and do it like a river. Like a flash flood. Or do we just pray for a trickle? Beloved, understand something this morning. For the most part, God's going to give you what you ask for. He is. And if you pray ho-humly, and you're not begging Him for joy... Why on earth should he send it? The book of James says you have not because you ask not. And when you ask for the wrong, you ask for the wrong reasons. What if you begged God this morning for joy just so you could know him better? So that you could see his face, so that you could experience him afresh like a little child. You know, a few 
A few weeks ago, Eliza and I were downtown in Burlington, and uh, we went to this uh, consignment store, and in the back, there was a rocking horse, a wood rocking horse. Now, Scout has got it in her mind that she's going to be the next great equestrian. And she loves horses. She's got horse sheets, horse, little horses, big horses, all sorts of horses. She's even got a unicorn named Fruity. So we bought her this horse. And because we didn't have a house yet, it had to get stored here. So we put it in the closet at my office and we waited and waited and and thinking we're going to get back from Maryland and we'll just have it there waiting for it, the house and all that. Well, you all know all that saga. So we decided that we'd just show it to her one day. So she came by the office one evening and I pulled the horse out and that child looked at that horse and her eyes got the size of saucers. And she was so excited. She just jumped up and down and she just really couldn't contain herself. That's how God expects us to be every moment of our life, beloved. That's how he expects us to look at his world and his creation. And the question is, are we praying to look at the world like that? Are we praying with fervency, restore my joy, O Lord, such that it is like a flash flood. Because, beloved, if it's a flash flood in you, guess what? You can then go into a lost and dying world and you can be a flash flood of joy in somebody else's life. And go outside and look and see if the people that you encounter today at lunch or you encounter when you fill up your car this evening or when you go to the grocery store, look around them. They all look the same. Miserable. And they need a flash flood of joy. They need a little Christmas. You say, that's all good, preacher. And I have been praying for joy. But it hadn't shown up yet. So what do I do? I'm glad you asked. Look at the last two verses. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Keep sowing. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Keep Doing. Remember the words of Galatians 6 and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Believe something this morning, beloved. God cannot lie. And His word says that if we keep sowing, we will reap. Now, are you sowing? It's hard. I'm crying a lot. Okay. Well, don't seed need water? 
Maybe your tears are the water the seeds need. Keep sowing. You say, it's hard. It's hard to, to push through that, that ground that, that, that hadn't been tilled in a while. It's, it's a hard slug. I know. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. Why? Because God can't lie. If you can't remember anything about what I say today, I want you to remember two things. You're supposed to have Christmas joy and keep sowing because God can't lie. And how do I know that? Because his word tells me. And right here it says, shall come home with shouts of joy. And this word shall, this word shall, in the Hebrew is translated in the King James correctly. It's not just shall. It's shall doubtless. Doubtless. Without a shadow of a doubt. I'm not worried about it. I'm not concerned about it. It's going to happen. I will sow and I shall doubtless return with Shouts of joy, bringing the harvest. Well, doesn't that make you want to sow? Doesn't that make you want to sow? <laughs> yeah, a few weeks ago, one of the one of the lotteries. I don't remember which lottery. I know a Baptist preacher talking about the lottery. Forgive me, but. One of the lotteries was up close to $500 million. Now, let me ask you a question. If I told you I've got the winning numbers, here they are, what would you do? Would you go and buy a ticket if I told you here are the winning numbers? I don't know about you, but $500 million would answer a lot of problems in my life. I could do a lot of good with $500 million. I wouldn't, wouldn't worry about paying that tax bill at all. Now here's a question. If I told you, and you knew not to doubt me, and you didn't go and buy the ticket... It'd be on you, wouldn't it? Beloved, you're, gathered, you're given something today that is better than any lottery made by man. You're given an opportunity today for something unlike you've ever seen before. You are given the opportunity to watch the harvest of God's joy. You're given the opportunity to experience Christmas Every moment of every day, just like it was when you were a child. So here's the question. Why don't you? Why don't you? Do you need a little joy today? Do you? The Bible says that if you sow, doubtless joy will be brought back. 
Do you need a little joy? Do you need to position your prayer life in such a way that you're praying for joy? Do you want to, 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 to move Grove Park in, in such a way that everybody who talks about us talks about us and they say, that's that joyous class right there, that joyous church, that joyous people where all the time they just want to know what's going on here. Because of the joy that we have. Do you need a little Christmas? You can have it. It's yours. All you got to do is ask. Let's pray.